It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! flagship station of the ECU Pirates. It is the Get You to the Weekend High School Football Kickoff Edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. If you're with us live on our video streams this morning, hello to you on uh, Facebook, X, and YouTube. Not sure if we're on Rumble with the True Believers or not, um, but if we are, hello to you as well. Let's go. Uh, we got a big show. Brian North with the uh, Blitz News Channel 12 will be with us uh, if time allows a little hold my beer today. But uh, we start with a gentleman who is uh, foolishly agreed to come back on with us every Friday for the rest of the football season, Doug Martin. Of course, uh, now OC in the USFL, was the Pirate Offensive Coordinator under Steve Logan. A head coach, two of the greatest jobs you could ever ask for in college uh, football, Kent yeah, State right. and New Mexico State. And uh, Coach is here to talk a little ball with us uh, here. Uh, coach, good to see you. It's always great to talk to you. And, uh, I mean, you got the life down there in Emerald Isle, so uh, I don't feel so bad for you having those those tough jobs, as you put it, coaching uh, at Kent State, New Mexico State. <laughs> well, it was, it's all paying off now, Patrick. This, this yeah. is the reward part of that. <laughs> That's the good thing. That is the good thing. All right. Uh, We're in the final week of preseason camp, right? And next week, all the teams will start their preps as classes start back for uh, their week one games, or if they got a week zero game, maybe they're already in some of that. What is this last week like of preseason camp for the coaches and for the players? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on how healthy you are. You know, that's the big thing, getting through camp, soft tissue injuries, you know, major injuries, things like that. You've got to kind of assess where you are, and that determines how hard you can go in maybe this last week and and where you are as a football team. I know I was up visiting Wake Forest uh, with my son last week, and they've been pretty fortunate injury-wise, and they were actually doing quite a bit of live work a lot of situational work and getting that stuff in now so that, you know, next week they could back off their players a little bit. So you're hoping you get everything done, but you're hoping you're really assessing the, the health of your football team right now. If you're a coach too, I mean, players are essentially playing in a lot of cases and depending on where the program is, players are, are playing for spot, spots on the depth chart in a lot of cases, uh, or, you know, maybe being on the travel squad. You're, you're playing for that to get on there in week one at this point. Mm-hmm. If you're coaches, you're, you you want to find out this week, don't you, really what you're made of going into preps for week one. Yeah, you know, you're certainly probably going to have two scrimmages, two live scrimmages at some point during your camp, and those will certainly tell you a lot about, you know, the guys that are ready to play right now. And then you start to learn, you know, where here's a, a spot where we don't have much depth right now. Uh, whether it's, you know, in the secondary or wide receiver, whatever it is, you know, we need to shore this up a little bit. So you start trying to bring somebody else along and those type of things. But, uh, you know, camp is an interesting dynamic because you're, you're trying to get a lot of work in, but you can overload guys in a hurry, you know, especially as hot as it's been out here lately and things like that. So it's become a, a real 
balance. I think strength coaches are a lot more involved right now in how many reps a player takes in practice. There's a lot more technology. They got GPS things. They hook up to kids now to see you know, how much they've run during a practice. There's a lot of technology that goes into it now to, to really help kids that we didn't have back you know, when I was coaching in East Carolina and other places. In the Stone Ages, right? In the Stone Ages. Yeah, right. Where they just told you to go out and run until you drop. <laughs> yeah, they did. Absolutely. Um, Coach Logan starts his show next week, so our program will move to 6 uh, on Fridays. We'll be at 5 o'clock like uh, we normally are Monday through Thursday. But uh, Coach Logan returning to radio, what do you think of that? Oh, it'll be entertaining. <laughs> you know, Steve has a great way. You know, he's – you know, I always said, you know, people didn't really get to know him when he was a head coach there. But he's one of the funniest people you'll ever be around, ever. People that have been around Steve and know him well. And the intellect that he has and, and the perspective that he has on a lot of things, too. You know, and there's no filter with him now. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And that's the great part of, you know, listening to him. That's what's so entertaining about it. But he'll give you things that you won't hear from other coaches. He's not going to be coach speak. You know, you're going to get the real – you know, down and dirty part of things of coaching, the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and all indifferent. And he's got some great experience just to share. You know, he was on with me last week and uh, told the great story, and I'd like to get your take on this. Uh, well, first, let me let me find this to play. I played this for him, and this is what led to the, uh, to the story. So here we go. I got this here for you. See if you remember this. Uh, as we all do. Because when you're at East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach at East Carolina. You don't come to East Carolina. You don't play at East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it. Now, he says that mentality was actually the groundwork was laid during the Peach Bowl season back in 91. Getting the players to play to the end, really to the every play hard in every game, no matter the score. And that's where wins like that one, I think that followed the loss to West Virginia where you guys went for two yeah. uh, at the end of the game up in Morgantown. Um, you know, it followed that. So well, let me let me ask you about that first. The decision to go for two in Morgantown, I don't remember the season, but the decision to go for two in Morgantown. Were you were you on staff then? You Were you still calling yeah, plays? Yeah, I, I was the offensive okay. coordinator in that game. Yeah. All right. So you knew going in, if this is close, at the end we're going for two, right? I knew that any time we were playing a team like West Virginia, <laughs> if it was close, we were going for two. Cause just, just what he just told you right there, Patrick, it wouldn't have mattered West Virginia, you know, Texas Tech, NC State, whoever it is. You know, we got in a game like that, and it got down to the wire, and it was close. We, we were going to go win the game. We weren't going to try to tie people and things like that. And that was the mentality that he instilled in the coaches and the players. And, you know, people don't want to go there. They don't want to hear – hey, let's get them down to the last seconds of the game and win it. Everybody wants to hear, well, let's just go blow them out. Well, you know, that's totally unrealistic. Those guys have scholarships too, right? They've got good players. Right. And games are going to come down to the final moments of the game, especially playing good teams. And you got to prepare and train your team to want that moment. And that's what Steve was talking about in that that rant that you got right there is that he wanted that as a head coach. He yeah. wanted to be in that. He really did. He wanted to be in that position. And he wanted our players to want to be in that position because he knew that other teams, a lot of them don't want to go there. And that's how we were able to beat a lot of those schools. What's your philosophy when you're running a two-point play? Is it it, it, does it depend on juncture of the game? Uh, 
but I mean, what what's your like, what is your playbook philosophy on a two point conversion? Well, you're going to scout those things, and you're going to find out. You know, in this situation, does that defense are they going to play man coverage? Are they a zone team? Are they going to pressure you in a two point situation or not? All those type of things come into play when you're trying to scheme up. But you're going to go into every game probably with two to three, you know, two point plays. And then you, you'll select maybe as the game goes along, you find that you like one better than the other that you've been practicing. Um, but you're trying to scout those things ahead of time. And then it's always gets back to, you know, it's not the X's and the O's, it's the Billy's and the Joe's, right? It, it's, yeah. it's players, <laughs> not plays. You know, plays right. don't win games. Players win games. So what you want to do is you, you've got to have a good scheme and a good play, but you got to make sure that play is getting the ball in your best player's hands. You know, if that's your quarterback, then it may be some type of run play action pass where he's got the ability to run or throw. If your running back is the best player, it may be something where you're going to run the ball in a two-point play of some sort. But, you know, if you've got a great wide receiver, you're trying to isolate him somewhere. So it's all that stuff, trying to get the ball to your best players in that situation. We got Doug Martin with us, offensive coordinator with New Orleans in the USFL and uh, for many years a college head coach, offensive coordinator at ECU for a decade at least. Uh, When you're putting together your game plan, how far out do you script your plays on on a given game? Yeah, so, you know, I learned all that from Steve when I was at East Carolina. And, and, you know, one thing we did, Patrick, we always scripted the first 15 neutral plays of the game. And by neutral plays, so I mean first and second down. Okay, so first and second down, the first 15, you're just calling them fast because it's already on the script. You know what you're going to get. And then all of our third downs were always scripted. Okay, so that third down was broken down into different areas, third and one, third and two mm-hmm. to three, third and four to six, third and seven to 11, and then third and 11 plus you have to have some plays. So we would have – you know, three to four plays for each of those categories. So the first time it pops up third and four, you go to that category and that's your play. And the comfort in that is the players already know, you know, before the game, they already know what you're going to call the first time it's third and four to six because you've practiced that all week. And it's and it's scripting, you just keep following that. So then as you get off of that, after you get through those first 15 neutral plays, then you're you're calling those plays just off the cuff as a coordinator, you know, your, your first and second down calls, but your third down calls, your goal line calls, your two point plays, those are all still scripted for you. Is there, how often do you go back to a play in the second half? Yeah, we, certainly on first and second down, you would do that, you know, primarily in third down, we would not do that, you know, unless there was red be something really specific to cause us to do that. Cause you don't right. want to show, the defense the same thing on third down over and over but you know first down second down you, you we would certainly run the same play twice now we may do it out of a different formation a different personnel group a different motion to put some eye wash on it but we would run the same plays coach is there ever a point where something's working and you even if you kind of even if you disguise the look a little but you're in the same base and you just go to that and you ride that till the other team figures it out if they ever do. I mean, I'm sure that's happened many times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. You you find something that you find a chink in their armor, whether it's a, a zone run play some way that's hurting them. You keep coming back to it until they stop it. You know, eventually they're going to make you know adjustments also. So, you know, make them stop it 
and then go to something else and then you may come back to it later on but that's the feel part of the game patrick you know and, and the anticipation part of a game and getting to know you know offenses and defenses have personalities and those personalities usually reflect the offensive and defensive coordinator you, you know you can kind of see that the guy's personality as the game goes on when the game gets really tight does this guy really want to blitz or is his personality to back off and not get beat you know so those are things you learn as you keep coaching. Um, Doug Martin is with us here. We appreciate it. He's going to be with us this football season again. Uh, I get text messages all the time when these segments uh, air on radio. People's I can listen to Doug Martin talk football for, for hours. We're not going to keep him for hours, but people say that. So that's the good thing, Coach. Well, man, uh, they they say that. Won't listen to me for fifteen minutes. Let me. listen to me. <laughs> you said you were up at Wake Forest. Uh, Dave Clawson, excellent coach. Uh, they are, I think, picked somewhere around eighth or ninth in the ACC in the preseason. For what that's worth, they're going to exceed that because they always do. What kind of year do you see the Demon Deacons having? Yeah, it's a transition for them, you know, because of the quarterback position. You know, they had Sam Hartman there for a couple of years, and, and, and man, Patrick, I'll tell you, that guy was dynamic now. I mean, he made them really good. Now, they've got a good quarterback. I watched them scrimmage a little bit. They've got a good player, but it's an adjustment when you start over, just like East Carolina is going to go through an adjustment, you know, with Ehlers leaving and things like that. Even doesn't matter how good that backup is, you're still finding out his personality and what he's good at and what he's not and how things are going to flow. So, uh, I, I think, you know, if Wake Forest gets to a bowl game, this will be a successful year for them, and I think they will do that. Uh, they've got a really solid program. They've got something they believe in there. They've got a, a coaching staff that's really uh, together, and they, they believe in each other, and they've, they've stuck together. Uh, so they got a lot of continuity there. They've got a really good program going right now. I, I think they – Again, they may not be a 9-10 win season, but hey, I think 6-7 wins would be a good year for them for this year. Last thing for today, uh, Seattle Seahawks, you mentioned Holt Naylor's. That's where he is right now. Uh, they've got the Cowboys tomorrow night uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, a lot of people, I'm sure, will be watching that on NFL Network or, or however they're able to to take it in because the Cowboys are a big TV draw. Well, you know, I don't know if you saw any of Holton's plays uh, in their first game for Seattle, but, I mean, where, how do you handicap his chances to maybe be the third quarterback or maybe, you know, be on the practice squad and, and maybe go back and forth some to the main roster? How, how do you handicap those chances, Coach? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many dynamics that go into that in the NFL, Patrick, and, and a lot of it has to do with money. You know, just quite frankly, you know, how much do we want to pay this third-team quarterback? Well, if they've got a guy there that's been their third guy and they don't want to pay him that position as much, then a guy like Holton, that helps him you know, because they right. can get him and pay him a little bit less to be that guy. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a factor in it. How, obviously, how well he plays and how well he's learning, how well he's picking up the system is going to be something too. Um, and those are things that you really can't tell from watching – the game you know those coaches they they put a lot on nfl quarterbacks you know they've got to be able to get you from one play to another they've got to get you from one pass protection to another at the line of scrimmage um they're doing a lot of mental work so really that'll be the biggest thing for him being a backup quarterback because you're not going to get reps in practice in the nfl as a backup quarterback even the second team quarterback gets very few reps in practice mm -hmm. just because of the numbers of players you have and how much you can do. So that guy has really got to be 
intelligent. He's got to be able to learn and run the system without a lot of reps and still perform at a high, pretty high level. Uh, now I think Holton seems to me like he's a really bright kid, so I'd say he's probably got a pretty good chance in that realm. So all those things are going to come into play with that. Coach Doug Martin, great to talk to you. Can we get you next week for week zero? Oh, absolutely. That'd be, that'd okay. be great. We'll talk some week zero football, and, and I'm sure what's going on around ECU. Good to see you, Coach. Take care. Good to see you guys. Thanks, Patrick. All right, there he goes. Uh, Doug Martin with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. When we return, uh, we're going to set the table for uh, everything going on tonight and our coverage tomorrow. And still to come, Brian North from WCTI 12 will be with us here on the Get You to the Weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Great to have uh, Doug Martin on. Looking forward to having him on next week. A reminder, we will be on 6 o'clock next Friday and every Friday from here throughout the rest of the football season because Steve Logan makes his debut next week with the Logan Zone at uh, 5 o'clock here on 94.3 The Game, 96.3 and 103.7. You can uh, listen to the wit and wisdom of Coach Logan. Call in. It'll be a great time. Uh, But we'll be back with Doug Martin uh, leading you into Rose football starting next week at uh, 6 o'clock and do that every Friday throughout the course of the uh, season. Uh, tomorrow we have our media day coverage right here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com and the IBX media app. One thirty, we will have Coach Houston's remarks. We'll also have uh, some interviews for you as we uh, get them. Tomorrow, looking forward to another uh, ECU media day going on uh, tomorrow. Uh, Rose football starts tonight, the high school football season. Many games throughout the region, and uh, we've got uh, Rose and New Hanover, two of the oldest schools in the state of North Carolina, uh, playing tonight on uh, 94.3. The game will be on with Croft, Massey, and RV and Scooter. A little before 7 o'clock, they'll kick off at 7. If you're a Havelock fan, we've got them over on Oldies 94.1. Great game tonight for the uh, Rams as they open the campaign with uh, Wallace, Rose Hill, the Bulldogs, two of the top teams in uh, not only Eastern North Carolina, but the uh, entire state. Panthers are on tonight on Talk uh, 103.7 WTIB as they uh, will look to even the preseason slate at 1-1. and They're in uh, the uh, metro area taking on the New York football giants. All right, so that's it. Don't forget to join us tomorrow for Media Day. Uh, Right now, a timeout, and when we get back, Brian North, as uh, the high school football season fires up, News Channel 12 will have their debut episode of The Blitz later tonight. We'll talk to B. North about the high school football scene right after these words. It's underway tonight here on 94.3 The Game. We're going to have J.H. Rose football for you coming up with Croft Massey and RV. So that's uh, coming up tonight here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, It means another season of the uh, best highlight show that you'll find certainly in the East and one of the best for my money in the country uh, when it comes to high school football. 11 o'clock, those highlight shows, The Blitz on WCTI 12. Brian North is your affable host for that. B North. I see my check got you in time for that uh, awesome promotion. Thank you. I hope it clears. Well, yeah, that's what I hope. Look, I've worked some places, and you know where I've worked. That was questionable. You never knew yeah, if it was yeah. going to clear. I, there was, yeah. 
There yeah. was a there was a particular operation I worked for many about a, a two decades ago, probably a little more than that now. Uh, and I yep. would I would go to that bank and cash the check at uh, <laughs> that bank yeah. where it was written from, so yeah. I didn't run into any problems. Yeah, you didn't walk out the door real quick. You had to make sure it wasn't bouncing on you. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, Rose and New Hanover tonight. Mm. Uh, well, we'll start there since that's the game we have on these airwaves. Uh, yeah. Rampants have a bright young quarterback. Yep. Uh, they are. I mean, Rose is just one of those programs. They're they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. Yeah. And uh, in that Big Carolina Conference, uh, it's them and Havelock, isn't it? Yeah, it looks to be that way. I don't think you can count Newburn out yet just based on their talent. And Jacksonville, I think, is a team that may be getting overlooked a little bit. Havelock's going to be really good. So it's going to be it's going to be really competitive once again. And so, uh, But Rose should be right in the mix. You know, they got uh, Justin Biggs at running back, who I expect to have a pretty yeah. good year. Mm-hmm. Shifty, fast guy. And, and you got the Shepherd kid who transferred in from Riverside, who's already been a starter uh, one year in high school football. It was at the 1A level, but now uh, – He's got that. There's nothing that replaces experience. And so he has that experience. He was coached by Jim Bob Bryant. And you can say what you want about Jim Bob. A lot of people do. But uh, he is one of the best uh, out there when it comes to coaching up quarterbacks at the high school level. Had a lot of success. And so he's had him for a year. So I I think the Shepherd kid is going to be going and start slinging it right away for Rose. And and he should have some athletes to throw it to. So I think they have some, uh, some optimistic expectations. Uh, at uh, the rampant field this year. As they should. And, and Will Bland's done a really fabulous job. I think there was a little yep. bit of uh, maybe some murmurs, questions about when that uh, that happened. But the Rose people were real confident in Will. Will's done a good job of kind of renewing interest in that program mm-hmm. yep. in the hallways there. I, I think Willie Bland's uh, a heck of a guy and has done yeah. a fantastic job. Uh, the great Brian North is with us from uh, News Channel 12 and the Blitz tonight. Does it go at 11.15, Brian? Is that when it starts tonight? We, we snuck it up. You know, kind of like uh, you're, a, you're a veteran of, of television and radio broadcast over the years. You know how those commercial breaks have got longer and longer? Yeah. And so that's kind of happened in the local news level as well. So we, we tell people more around 11.10 now. Okay. I just tell them tune in to the 11 o'clock news, blink for the news portion, the weather portion, and we'll be on right after that. There you go. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit on the other two Pitt County uh, schools in that conference uh, that Rose and Havelocker in mm-hmm. really, really quick. Uh, let's go to uh, to South Central. I only bring them up because I think this Chris Cherry thing is fascinating. 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 And I'm interested to see what he does there. Seems like he's got some people on the staff, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of the challenge there. Uh, it could be a tough year, but uh, and, and their numbers aren't aren't great. But uh, they open up things tonight against Kinston. And uh, I'm anxious to see what the uh, what the Falcons do at the Falcons' nest tonight against the Vikes. You know, Chris, I, I don't ever remember a state championship basketball coach all of a sudden late in his coaching career, late in his coaching career, all of a sudden just dropping the sport he's been he's a potential Hall of Famer in to go to another sport like football. And so, but look, Chris has a, a really extensive football background. Oh yeah. He's a Plymouth guy. You know, he, he uh, played and coached under Robert Cody. And so it's not like he 
doesn't know anything about football. He has a pretty good football background. It's just, you know, how does he how does he take that basketball success? He can recruit athletes, obviously, that uh, may have not played football in South Central before. And um, I'm just real curious how that that coaching style, that fast break offensive style that he loves. Now, how does he translate translate that in football? Good coaches are good coaches, no matter what they're coaching. You're right; it's organization, it's relating to the kids, and so he's just got to find some athletes, and he's got to get them in the weight room, and he's got to he's got to get a culture going there. South Central is just kind of it's never, you know, Andy too did a good job there, and, and and they made some good runs, but they just got to get that culture back. There's no excuse that South Central isn't one of the best teams in Eastern North Carolina year in and year out, based on. Um, their school size and the athletes that they get. Uh, we've got uh, Conley, and boy, they have a big roster. Nate Connor, you talk about yeah. establishing a culture. And and this is what I've learned about Conley over the years, especially with Pascal and now Connor there. You just can't count them out. They're not going to – wherever you pick them, they're going to they're gonna do better than where they're picked in the preseason. They're always amazing at how efficient they are offensively and what they ever decide to run. But their offensive line is never big. They've got some good guys. They've got two guys you know, at ECU and one guy went to Army. So they've got some decent guys. But the way they block offensively, and that has always opened up a lot of space to let their athletes run. They've always been able to find some athletes, whether it's Ben Holton or C.J. Johnson. or The list goes on and on. And, and now you've got Isaiah Crumpler, oh. who is arguably – you know, one of the best around big time. And they're going to find a, a, the biggest challenge they have is to not get him burnt out or killed uh, because you <laughs> want to give him the ball so much. Right. I mean, that's, that's not, it's, a, it's a tough thing when you've got a player of that talent, you want him to have the ball all the time, but the days of having a guy touch the ball 30 to 40 times in the game are probably think of the past because the game is so violent now. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use him because he's as important defensively and special teams as he's going to be offensively. All right, Brian North is uh, with us. I want to get the other Pitt County teams. We'll come back to them in a second, though. Uh, let's talk about other teams in the Big Carolina, uh, Craven County, where you guys are. Terrence Saxby's the new head coach at uh, New Bern. Bears obviously lost a lot from the state championship team. Mm-hmm. What a squad they had last year. I mean, just yeah. big time. Uh, how, how do you see the Terrence Saxby era going? So I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking them early on. Look, he came in late. He's putting in a whole new offense. It's going to take them about four to five weeks to find out how good they are. Now, they've got a, a winnable game right away with Willow Spring, and then they start getting into the, some fun games uh, within the county. But the, I'm, I'm looking for the improvement from week one to week five. I, I think the kids will really start getting it week five, week six. They have athletes, right? And they have guys who played in a lot of blowout games who have game experience. Uh, how the offense goes is going to be really interesting because they're changing it around. Uh, they got the West Craven transfer in, throwing it. They've taken last year's quarterback, who uh, is a great athlete. They're going to move him all over the field. So um, they're going to have a different look. But don't, don't make all your judgments just off the first two weeks in this team. I, I just really think – uh, they're going to improve a lot throughout the season, and they're they're going to be a really tough out towards the end of the year. The great Brian North is with us. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy off the field at Havelock, mm. and uh, they're predicted to win the uh, conference. They're always going to be good. You still have Caleb King there, uh, very much involved. Alan Wooten is very much involved. 
Yep. Uh, Brent uh, is the head coach. Brent Wooten is. And, of course, the Wooten boys, everybody knows them here in Pitt County. So let me ask you this, uh, Brian. Uh, just kind of give us the synopsis of what exactly went down and, and why it yeah. didn't work out. And then maybe talk a little bit about the on-the-field product. Right. So everybody's still trying to figure out what happened in this process. Now, Caleb King was the head coach of Havlock. He's a Havlock graduate, first of all. Then he was an assistant on those three state championships they won in the early 2010s. Then he goes to East Carteret, takes the head job there for a couple of years. Jim Bob Bryant leaves, and he, he goes right in, becomes the head coach. Everyone thought he'd stay there for life. He was there a couple of years, led them to a state championship game. It was not the most graceful exit. Uh, there's still unclear as to exactly what happened, but there was uh, an ungraceful exit with him and the school board and the superintendent for whatever reason when he went to South Carolina in 2019. Mm-hmm. And family hated it in South Carolina. He wanted to come back. Well, he was not welcomed back into the Havelock community when he returned. He was welcomed by his old teammate, Will Bland, at J.H. Rose, and spent a couple years there. But then, as some things changed around in Craven County, he was welcomed back into Havelock, uh, but there's already a head coach there. But the school board approved him. They approved him as a JV head softball coach. They approved him as an assistant coach. Alan Wooten, his son's getting older, decided after last season he wanted to not have as many head coaching responsibilities. They looked at their contracts, and they decided – they could just switch spots and it shouldn't be a problem. Didn't need board approval or anything like that. So they took the social media and they made that announcement. Well, the school board and the superintendent apparently didn't like the way that happened. They had a special meeting, a special vote where they decided they were going to reject uh, Caleb King as the head coach and make him apply the right way. He did. Um, it was a long, complicated process. There's still um, some controversy about whether he was recommended by the superintendent or not, but the school board approved him as an assistant coach and offensive coordinator, but they would not approve him as a head coach. So Havlock had to go with a contingency plan, which was all along. If if Caleb couldn't be the head coach, then Brent Wooten would take over. Brent spent one year as a head coach at North Pitt, won one game, but he'd been at Havlock since Caleb King was there in 2017. So Brent's now just basically CEO, right? He just stands there. Caleb runs the offense. Alan runs the defense. uh, Caleb was nice enough to stick around. He still I wouldn't say he's thrilled with what went down, but he wants to do it for the kids. It's his home. He wants he wants to be there. So he's sucking it up, and he's gonna he's gonna try and pour some points on some people this year to try and uh, <laughs> uh, prove some things. And they got some dudes. They got some dudes. Their quarterback is a junior who's uh, got a scholarship offer from Boston College as a linebacker, but he's a six three six four dude. They've got the two leading rushers are back. They've got some offensive linemen that are huge. One guy is going to be probably a Power 5 conference uh, recruit. Um, they've got a stud-wide receiver in the Johnson kid number seven. I think he's just a junior. Uh, their junior class is loaded. So this isn't just a one-and-done deal here. They've got these next two years, they are, they are going to be loaded. That game uh, with uh, our coverage on our sister station, 94-1. Oldies 94.1 tonight will be Havelock uh, opening their season. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Wallace is no slouch slouch either. They've got a kid, Corbin Kerr, who's going to be one of the top rushers in the country. Kind of follow in that uh, Javante Williams and uh, Kanye Roberts role. So uh, it's going to be an awesome game. It's going to be our premier matchup. We're looking forward to that one. Yeah, that'll be a great one tonight, undoubtedly. Um, 
All right, other three Pitt County teams, or four, because I want to mention JP2 in this. Uh, Aiden Grifton, Paul Cornwell's back. I'm glad that worked out for him. I think that's where he belongs. Uh, give me yep. the... Uh, Give me a little bit of the uh, run on uh, on on how they're going to be, and that's another situation there where uh, Corny's coming in to kind of put this thing back together. Yeah, they um, he had to cancel his scrimmage because his kids just weren't responding to what he was talking, and he got their attention by just canceling their first scrimmage. Now that may hurt them in the short term because you correct a lot of mistakes of doing those things, but it's just restoring that culture that. Uh, that he'd been a part of for so long as a player, assistant coach, and then a head coach. He's trying to bring some of those some of those things back. Um, this is going to be another one. Like Newburn, I think Aiden Griffin's going to get better throughout the year as long as they stay healthy. Their numbers aren't great this year, but they are running a JV program. And so uh, he likes where it's going. Now they're going to have to get a few breaks here and there. But again, be careful of Aiden Griffin towards the end of the year. They start their conference schedule with West Craven and Farmville. And after that, if they you know, survive those, come out of those with, without a lot of major injuries, they could make a nice late-season run. Speaking of Farmville, uh, Ron Cook, I really like him. And yep. he's got his numbers up there with the Jaguar football program. And, and for Ron Cook, it's more than just football. It's about other things off the field. So I have a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, I got to know Ron a lot when he was in Pamlico. You know, he's a guy who played at Virginia Tech. He was there during the Michael Vick years. And so he knows a lot about football, and um, he's kind of found a home here in East North Carolina, settled in, and he's got he's got some players now at Farmville. Alex Orr might be the player of the year in that conference, and their quarterback is a guy who's going to get division look, division one looks, maybe FCS, but I don't know if he'll be at quarterback. But he's six four, two hundred. He's a physical guy, dual threat guy, um, and he'll get looked as an athlete, probably more division one, lower one A, one double A level, but. But they've got talent there now, and uh, he's been there for Ron. This is, I think, his fourth season, so this is kind of the guy he's nurtured. And, and so it's, it's great to see Farmville Central back to the style of the, the Dixon Falls days and getting back to uh, being that football community that they are. And Obviously, we know their basketball success, winning four of the last five state titles there, and now he's trying to, to play off that and use that and, and uh, kind of build and get that winning culture going again. Uh, North Pitt, I feel really bad for Matt Goddard and, and everybody there when whatever idiot yeah. spun donuts on their field. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, they have – it's been a long road for the people there. We love C.J. Wilson. Yeah. And I think C.J. is going to do really good things there. I think it's a positive to have him involved. Their numbers are better. Uh, and, and then they're opening tonight. This is an intriguing uh, game yeah. against whatever's going on in Martin County. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our guy, Diamond Dave uh, Richmond, is going to be uh, broadcasting those games this year, which is mm-hmm. uh, he's doing it from the uh, from the heart and from the right place. So uh, this will be an interesting game tonight. A couple of uh, yeah. programs that have had some, some numbers issues and yeah. some tough luck when it comes to football uh, in the past and here recently. Well, let's start with Martin County, which uh, this summer decided they were going to consolidate their sports from South Creek and Riverside. So the two schools are still there. The schools haven't consolidated, but the sports programs are consolidating. So they're going under this banner of Martin County. They don't have a nickname. They do have a logo. But there were some kids on the Robertson. <laughs> there were some kids on the Robertsonville side, the western side of Martin County. They weren't happy. That are actually playing for North Pitt now. So just keep well, that in mind when, well, there you when go. they play. Yes. 
they have a new head coach in Mike Sartain. Mike hasn't been a head coach in a while. He was at West Carteret for several years, um, focused on his family. And now that his kids are now older, he wanted to get back into head coaching and this opportunity presented itself. But it's going to be, he's got a lot of challenges with trying to get everybody on the same page and, and do some things in Martin County. And of course, they lost their quarterback to, to Jay Rose. Now, right next door, North Pitt, C.J. Wilson, trying to get those numbers up. He says he has improved 100% from year one to year two as a head coach, understanding everything it takes now. And you throw in the fact he's got four of his nephews that play for him, including, <laughs> including famous Wilson, right? you got yeah. a quarterback named famous. He better be good. He, he played pretty be. well last year. and so. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, he's from a family. I can't remember how many kids. Uh, nine boys in his family, and they all played – Division one sports under an athletic scholarship. So when his nephews play for him, they, they come from pretty decent stock. So I think a North Pitt is, is optimistic that they're going to take a step forward this year and, and uh, take out of knowledge for CJ and then out uh, of getting some players in there as well. All right, JP2, uh, I thought it was a little curious when they were going to make the jump to 11-man. That did not work out. They couldn't get back into the eight-man league uh, that Parrot's in and other schools in the East are in. So they're kind of going at it as an independent. They're going to do that quasi-11 and eight-man thing that yeah. APA is doing. Yeah. Uh, but they've got uh, they've got talent. I like Sean Murphy a yeah. lot as the coach there, yep. and they've got resources. Yep. Uh, certainly there, there's some money that helps. They've got the nice turf field. They've got great facilities. Sean Murphy does a, a great job. I really impressed with him as a coach and an organizer and, and how they've done. And, and so, yeah, the whole, uh, the whole jumping to 11 man thing, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. And, but look, you know, they still have the opportunity to go out and play every Friday night and still make a name for themselves. And um, it, it's interesting, the whole eight man, 11 man debate right now, because there are public schools now that are going towards eight man. We're seeing that in places like Columbia and Madame Mesquite. Beargrass is talking about it. There's even a couple of teams further down the coast that are talking about they should. With their, they really with their should. dwindling numbers, right? You know, like a, a Jones Senior, which has struggled, and and so there's debate going on whether some of these schools should form their own eight man league, and and uh, because I, I thought the eight man numbers were dwindling, but talking with Matt Beam at Parent Academy said no, there's there's more public schools investigating it now because they want to keep football. They just don't have the participation numbers they used to. So that's an option to, to have the best of both worlds. And it would give Parrot some better quality opponents to yeah. face in the non-conference. Some of those other schools uh, that play yeah. in the private schools as well. And it, it may even convince JP2 to stick with what they're uh, right. with the right. eight-man plan. All right. Uh, the great Brian North. You can catch him in the mornings on uh, News Channel 12 and on Fox Eastern Carolina, he's a big news superstar now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he'll be on tonight, The Blitz, 11 o'clock, News Channel 12, WCTI. Check him out there. North, we'll talk to you again really soon. Thanks for the time here. All right, P-Man. Looking forward to seeing what your Arendelle Parrot Academy Patrick uh, do at Harold's, <laughs> Harold's Christian Academy. There you go. Weren't you, weren't you, were you all conference center? What were you? I was, uh, I was a, 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 a guard. Uh, nose okay. guard and then a goal line fullback <laughs> is what I was. And, and I, you know, I was a triathlete. I tried. Yeah. 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 That's about there's, it. There's gotta be in this day and age now of everything is streamed and everything. We've got to find the old Patrick Johnson, uh, four point, three point stance, uh, videos from somewhere. I'll find you, uh, the highlights somewhere, uh, maybe where I, I did a scoop and score off Jordan Blunt's <laughs> 
hit of the quarterback, <laughs> and then I took all the credit going into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Glory days. Glory days. They'll pass you by. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Be, 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 man. That's Brian North. We're going to do a little Hold My Beer if time allows. Back to wrap it up right after this. Do you have something you need to get off your chest? Get off your chest. I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Did your favorite team blow another game? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Or is there just something that's driving you crazy? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to let it all out. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. With another edition of Hold My Beer. Hold My Beer. And hold my beer. Uh, I'll start. Hold my beer. The family featured in the Oscar-winning film The Blind Side has announced their plans to end their conservatorship over former Ole Miss football player Michael Ower. Lawyers for Sean and Leanne Tui, who seem insufferable, made the announcement during a news conference days after Ower accused them of tricking him into the conservatorship. Uh, he filed a petition in court Monday in Tennessee. Conservatorship requested to be ended. Uh, or claimed the Tuies profited off his story. Sean Tuie said the family did not make any money off the movie. I, I don't doubt that they they made something. I mean, even if they're getting residual uh, opportunities or periphery opportunities, more appropriately, to go speak at things, which I'm sure they did. Or I, I don't know this for a fact, but it, it, to his credit, he's married his longtime uh, girlfriend that he had uh, four children with, and maybe he's feeling some pressures with that with the uh, you know NFL career over. We, we've seen it a lot of times. But my hold my beer is why are we getting on Sandy Bullock? Why are we blaming her for any of this? ECU alum. There's plenty you can dislike Sandy Bullock for, but why are we are we hating on her for starring in a movie? It's ridiculous. So that's my hold my beer. Philip the ref Pilkington. Oscar. Like, why does she need to give back her Oscar? She earned it. Like, that's her. The, I don't get it's it. It's a movie at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. makes no sense. My wife likes the movie. I find it uh, annoying. All right. Uh, let's uh, go to Philip the ref Pilkington with a little hold my beer. Here well, we my my kind of my one that I just thought about there, you did not give or credit for playing for the Panthers. So that's like a hold my beer and asterisks right there. You just said Ole Miss. You never said Panther, baby. Come on, Patrick. We play the That's Panthers at this meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, so my hold my beer is uh, I'm going to go conference realignment. I do not understand this at all. You tell these kids since they're four years old, you are a student first and an athlete second. And the people who have been telling them that their whole lives are now saying, we care more about the money we're making off of you. They were already making a crap ton of money, but we want to make more. And we are going to make you fly back from a softball game on a Sunday night, get in at 4 a.m. and you got to be at class at 8 a.m. on Monday. Uh, I mean, I've read something where I guess last week some of the Pac-12 softball players that are future Big Ten and Big 12 softball players have spoke out against this. It is not fair to make these, you know, conferences what they are solely so that they can make more money off football. Don't get me wrong. I believe in capitalism, but not to the extent of hurting 18, 19 year old, 20 year old kids when you're already making a crap ton of money off of them. And now you're just going to hose all these non-revenue sports before a sport like football. And it's the only sport you only play once a weekend, but that's the one sport we're going to, you know, we're going to cater to and hose, you know, 20 some other varsity sports. It's just, it's not fair. So that's the hold my beer for pilk. Yep. 
Aren't you supposed to say hold my beer? I said hold my beer. Oh, do I say it at the end too? Sorry. Hold my beer. (laughs) Put your beer down. Sorry. All right. So my my only response to that is I think you're going to you're going to have to wind up because they're not going to give up the ghost on basketball. So I think you're going to wind up with football and men's and women's basketball in these mega conferences, and then you're going to have to go regional and everything else. I, it's just it's the only way it's going to work. Now, I know some conferences and some institutions probably don't want that. They want everything in the same conference, but they're not getting paid to have their baseball teams in the same conference. They're getting paid because of football and, to a lesser degree, basketball. All right, Clark, real quick, I hold my beer from you to wrap up the week. Okay, so hold my beer, guys, because uh, I think my son, because of Patrick, helped him dodge a bullet. <laughs> oh, no. Don't get a suit. Don't get a suit. You saved my kid's life. <laughs> that's, that's it. Taryn, if you guys have ever seen uh, Hustle and Flow, 8 Mile, and uh, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New Black. Yeah. She is the girl, the crazy one. Puxatani or whatever her name is in that show. Well, uh, right. a couple weeks ago, Puxitani. I interviewed a couple. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I interviewed her up at GalaxyCon. She was a sweet girl, and then uh, eventually, a long story short, I'm sure you can find those videos online of her going viral, losing her mind. And they're, uh, they're not safe for work. They're not, not watching them around the kids. <laughs> These are safe. R-rated yes. uh, videos. Yes. A lot yes. of vulgar yes. language. Yes. Now these now there's a big discussion over that over the internet of. Uh, of it being the alleged she cheated, so uh, that the comedian Burt Kaiser, the guy that oh, yeah. I'm the machine, is the, the, is machine, the alleged yeah. uh, cheater that she's been messing with. No, I heard it was a record executive. Oh, and he was going to get a boat too. By the way, all kinds of speculation going on here on ninety four three. The game <laughs> speculation on a little celebrity drama. You gotta so, love it. There you go. I got my first inside scoop. <laughs> so there you go. So hopefully, ah, my, there hope we my, go. My, and she gave my uh, son her number. So I uh, texted him. I said, please, you know, do your research. Delete the number. Yes. Yeah. Delete the number. Yes. There you go. That's I, my whole. That's beer. one. Yeah, he's too young to be. Yes, way too young. He'd learn. He'd look. He, that that's a lot to learn really quick. All right, <laughs> that'll do it. Thanks to uh, Doug Martin. Thanks to Brian North. Thanks to Pilp. Thanks to uh, Clark. And we'll be back Monday. Jay Sunalder is slated to join us. But don't forget tomorrow we're going to have our media day coverage beginning at one thirty from the Town Bank Tower here on ninety four three The Game. Uh, Rose football coming up tonight against New Hanover. Panthers football over on 1037 WTIB. You have a great and safe weekend. Happy anniversary. Five years to my wife. She needs a medal. Jill, have a great weekend, everybody.